minutes, Father. We're so thankful, Lord, we are serving a living God. A God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, whatever need we have, Lord, you're more than able, Father. Every situation, every, every problem, every sickness, doesn't matter what it is, Lord, you're more than able. Lord, today we come and just ask that you would meet us tonight, Lord, that you would touch us by your grace and mercy. Lord, you know our thoughts and things and our spirit, Lord, and things we've been dealing with, Father. We just ask that you would take control, Father. You would move, Lord, in your way, supernatural manifestation among us, Lord, of a living God, a God who's here today showing us that he's still alive and well, living in us to tell. We commit this service in your hands, Lord, everything to be done and said for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Turn to Isaiah 61, if you would. And also Psalms 40. I'd like to say it's an honor to be here again tonight. As Brother Joe said, it's, it's a wonderful thing to come to the house of the Lord. Amen. When you've been out like that and things that we've had to do, amen, it really puts in your heart how important it is and how good it is to be with believers. Amen. And so, as you know, we're getting ready for a very important day this coming up on, on Saturday. This is your last service for a little while here. Amen. Sister Adrienne is going to be uh, getting married to Brother Ben Steeman. There's already some gathering here for that. Amen. And so some of the first inbound from Florida, they're already here. So things are getting real, real quick. But uh, so we're going to need some help afterwards, brothers, to take some things off the platform so they can prepare for that. But Amen. God's been good to us, and we're actually looking forward to this day. It's not a day that we're dreading, per se, but we're very happy for Adrian and Brother Ben, and, and just believe the Lord's going to bless them. Amen. For however long he tarries, amen, with a wonderful marriage. Amen. Psalms 40 and verse 1, well, we'll start at Isaiah 61. And the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the open of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness the planning of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Also Psalms 40 and verse 1 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. And he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. Amen. We'll let you be seated. Uh, actually, it's kind of strange. Most of the time you preach something at home first and maybe take it somewhere and minister. But I've actually spoke from this thought a couple of times 
one at a uh, youth camp in Ohio and another at Brother uh, Kelly Hildebrandt's, just uh, one of the last times I ministered. But the Lord gave me this thought as I was actually sitting there on the pew at uh, my mom's memorial service, and it just dropped in my heart a new song to sing, a new song to sing. And, you know, I, I begin to think on the things that we have read and, and begin to look at the scriptures that he would appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give to them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I thought it was very interesting that he would, uh, he would, he would bring, he would type out praise as a garment or he would equate it to being a garment. It would have to be something that you would have to put on. It wouldn't be something that you could just manufacture per se, or, 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 but you would have to actually take it as you would take your clothes as you did for this evening, and you chose what, what, what clothes to put on or what to do, and you chose a certain dress or a certain shirt or a certain pair of pants, but you had to put that on. It had to be an action. It had to be something that you had to do. And this is how, you, how the prophet Isaiah would speak about it. He said, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You have to actually take the praise as a garment and put it on. Amen. And begin to praise God no matter what the circumstances are around you. And no matter what is going on, you still have to put that on. Amen. To be able to break that spirit of heaviness. But, you know, as brother, as I look into this, Brother Brandon would make this thought and say this in his thought. He said, many today are becoming discouraged. You know, and when we become discouraged, it takes our strength from us. It makes us to where we want to just give up sometimes. And, and Satan likes to pull us away and, and, may, and maybe begins to make us think nobody cares or nobody understands. And you know how it is. Thoughts begin to run rampant. Thoughts of unworthiness. Thoughts of you're never going to make it. Thoughts of it's too much to handle. It's as a heaviness, a great weight that sets on you and it seems to squeeze the life out of you. And discouragement begins to set in and darkness begins to close in. And, and it turns into depression and other things that goes with that. He said, but you know, today he said we shouldn't be discouraged. He said what we need to do is take courage. What we need to be is encouraged. He said, trials may come. We're never promised to be immune from a trial. Amen. We're never promised to be immune from losing a loved one. We're never promised from being immune from a hard day or a hard time. And he said, those things but come. But every, every time it comes, he will give you grace to go through that trial. Amen. If the mountain's too high to go over or too deep to go under, too wide to go around it, he will always give you grace to go through every trial. He said, so just don't worry, but keep your eyes on Christ, for he's the one that's going to take you through it. Amen. Amen. And he said, if you notice, it's when you're discouraged, that's when the devil tries to really pour it on you. That's when he tries to get to you is when you're discouraged. And, and, you know, and then the thoughts of you're never going to make it or you're never going to overcome it or you're never going to get ahead or you're never going to get be better. You got to cast all of that aside. He said, because, you know, God don't want you frowning. God wants you to be happy. Amen. The human heart was to be made happy. Worry causes cancer and temper causes cancer. He said, so don't ever be upset. Just walk in his love, knowing that while you're walking, you're walking with him. And while you're walking with him, nothing can harm you. Hallelujah. So that's enough to be encouraged about. 
to know that I'm with him, amen, that I'm, I'm not walking in Laodicea by myself, I'm not in this trial by myself, I'm not, I'm not lost a loved one and I'm all by myself, I, 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 I'm not, you know, in, in some room, but I'm with him, amen, he's with me, he promised he would never leave me or forsake me. Amen. And so as we look at this, and I got to thinking on this, and I've been reading this, this Passion Translation. I want to take a little bit because in Romans 8, verse 28, it says, We are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for our good. For we are His, and we have been called to fulfill His design purpose. For he knew all about us before we were ever born. And he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest among a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. And having determined our destiny ahead of time, he called us to himself and transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone that he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he has co-glorified with his son. So what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me who can then ever stand against us. If God has determined to stand with us, tell me who can ever stand against us. For God has proven his love by giving us his greatest treasure, his son. And since God freely offered up him as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold anything else from us as he has to give. Who then would dare to accuse those whom God has chosen and loved to be his? God himself is the judge who has issued his final verdict over them, not guilty. Therefore, nothing can harm you. There's neither powers, neither things present, neither things future, neither things, anything can separate you from you. He, you are with him. You didn't come by your own will. You came by his choosing. You're not here because you chose to be here. You're here because he chose you to be here. Hallelujah. And if he chose you to be here, what can the devil do about it? If God, the power of the, that created the universe, has chosen your destiny to put you in this time that we're living in, the most evil age there ever was, the most difficult time there ever was, he placed you in this time. He has a, he has a, he has a watch over you. And he's concerned about you. He's not just letting you off by yourself and you're out there wandering around. No, God has predetermined your destiny. Hallelujah. And he said, we never came in by our own will. He elected us. He brought us to him. So it is his business to take care of what he's brought to himself. (laughs) Hallelujah. You need to tell the devil you're God's business. Amen, you're God's business. Therefore, he would say, no man can pluck them from my hands. Amen, it is the Father who takes care of it. Who's got more power than God? So what kind of power have you got over you that will take care of you? It's the power that created the universe. It's the power that put the solar system in its place. It's the power that put every star and every moon and every planet in its place. That power is watching over you. Amen. Oh, but you know, God loves to test his people. 
We know every child that comes to God will be tested. There's no exceptions. Every one of us will be tested. You may be tested in different places than I'm tested in, but we're all going to be tested. Amen. Maybe tonight you're sick. Maybe it's just a little child training. Just a little testing. Don't be discouraged about that. God's still on the throne. His power, his word is still in effect. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're sick tonight, he's still on the throne. His word is still in effect. There's nothing to be worried about. God's got it. He knows all things. He's still in control. And if you're truly born of the Spirit of God, everything, can you say everything, is working together for your good. He's going to make it all come out right. He promised he would. He swore he would. He's got to keep his word. He's kept it now for thousands of years to every believer. Show me one believer in here he didn't keep his word to. Amen. Would you be an exception? Oh, no. We're no exception. Amen. He kept Abraham. He'll keep you. He kept Moses. He'll keep you. He kept Shamgar. He'll keep you. It doesn't matter if it's 600 Philistines. He'll keep you. Amen. He kept David. He'll keep you. He kept Daniel. He'll keep you. He kept the three Hebrew children. He'll keep you. He kept Peter and Paul and the martyrs down through the dark ages. He'll keep you. He kept Paul and Silas. He'll keep you. He kept William Branham. He'll keep you. Hallelujah. You're no exception. So we're not to be discouraged. Listen to this quote. Don't be discouraged. We're living in a terrible hour. (laughs) Don't be discouraged. We're living in a terrible hour. But you know there's a comma behind that. A terrible hour for the unbeliever. But a wonderful hour for the believer. For we're nearing the end time. To which we're looking for the coming of our blessed Lord. (laughs) Amen. It's not a terrible hour for a believer. Yes, it's a terrible time we're living in. But it's a blessed time. It's a dangerous time. But it's a wonderful time. It's a worrisome time, but it's a hallelujah time. Because just any moment, he's going to return. But discouragement can come. It tries to knock at your door through situations that comes in your life, whether it be sicknesses or lost loved ones or, or, or trials of all kinds, all kind of things that come. You know, every one of us tonight can name something no doubt different we've been going through. And the devil's trying to set that and push that discouragement into our life to just give up. Why is he trying so hard to make you give up? We can see it. We can look at David. We know the scriptures. We heard many messages preached from it. But at Ziglag, when the Amalekites invaded, you know, and burnt Ziglag to the ground and took the women and the captives and, 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 and took them all captive captivity. And here David and his men comes back and, you know, and behold, it, you know, the city was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were all gone. 
And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. And the scripture says, until they had no more power to weep. That's crying a bunch of buckets of tears. To where you get to the, where you can't even weep no more. In such anxiety and, and such torment and such hurt and such anguish and such discouragement that a tear can't even no longer come out of your eye. That's pretty discouraged. Amen. And, and here his wives were taken. And, and the scripture said David was greatly distressed. And the people, even his own men that had stood with him through many things, they began to talk about stoning him. It was a great defeat, one of his worst days of his life. Every man began to, and his, the souls of every man was grieved. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You know, here they come down to it and they're burnt with fire. Discouraged? That's probably not a big enough word to describe the state of their morale. The Bible says that, you know, as we said, they wept bitter tears until they simply had no more power to weep. For David, it was even worse. He was the leader, and his men were so consumed by grief that they were even talking of stoning him, and here he was in distress. And it might have destroyed him completely, except for this one thing. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Here he began to remind himself who he really was. Not who he was right then, but who he was, a son of Abraham, a son of God, a circumcised Israelite that had a promise with God, that he, he had a promise that God was with him. It required, though, a resolve in David's heart as a garment. He had to take something else and put it on. He had a decision to make. Will he go deeper into his depression, into his distress? Would he worry more and allow it to make him more helpless? Or would he make a conscious decision? I'm going to turn my eyes towards the hills which cometh my help. Amen. So David chose encouragement. Not to just be encouraged. For there was no one around there that could encourage him. Sometimes there's no words that can be given. To lift somebody up, we want to do our best. We want to try, you know, say, I'm praying for you and all that's wonderful and all that's nice. But sometimes words are just words. But David encouraged himself. Notice the most important thing we're here to realize, David didn't encourage himself in himself. It wasn't nothing in himself to be encouraged by. Amen. But whether he turned to the scriptures, he turned to what the Lord said he was, he turned to the Lord his God. You see, it was not just about David. This, 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 this zigzag and all that he had lost was not just about David. David had a covenant with God. So his covenant with God made what David was going through God's business. Amen. And I want you to understand, we are also a people under a covenant. Therefore, the trial you're going through is not just about you. It's also about God. It's also God's business. You see, it was not just about David. 
It was about God, so it made it God's business. So after encouraging himself, David was able to move on from the problem to the solution. You'll never get to the solution of your problem unless you get your focus off your problem and get it on your God. What God's really doing for you. How God's really, everything works together for the good. Amen. Discouragement does not come from the Lord. It comes from our adversary, the devil. That's why David could encourage himself from the Lord. Because the Lord was the source of his solution, not the source of his problem. Amen. Anxiety, worry, fretting, and discouragement. It begins, to, it begins to have indicators. It's indicating we're walking by sight and not by faith. Yeah. Brother, I've used these before, but this is very something I always go back to because it helps you with your thinking sometimes. Brother Brandon would bring it out, and you can go look at it. You can look up Deep Thinker. You can learn, we'll look up Crossing Bridges. You can look up a lot of different, uh, uh, different tags that you can look at. But he, he said he, in discernment, there's multiple, multiple, multiple. I, I can't even tell you how many of them. In discernment, he would tell them, you're an awful deep thinker. He said, you've got a weary spirit. You're always worrying about things. You've got no business to be worrying about. <clears throat> You're nervous and upset, and it caused you to have acid in your blood, which has given you arthritis. The devil did it to me. No, we did it to ourselves. Amen. Because we refuse to be encouraged, to encourage ourselves in the Lord. We we, we continue to go on down the road of our our problems instead of the road of the solution. Amen. So the devil wants to keep you on that road of your problems. Because if he can know you, if he can keep you about, because then you're walking by sight and you're seeing this and you're seeing that and you're seeing that over there. Look at that over there. Wow, over there. And everything. And it's all. You're all. Then next thing you know, you're discouraged. You're tore down. You're depressed. Thinking too much. He's another one. He says it causes you to be a nervous person. You're very nervous. You're always taking other people's problems. Uh oh. Ain't that something about the devil? He ain't, he ain't even concerned about you having your own problems. You start taking everybody else's problems. And thinking about things, crossing bridges before you get to it, building things that never happen. Hello, somebody. How many ever had that happen before? I've had it. You know, you're going to go talk to somebody and say, you maybe have an issue or something and you're, you, got, you, you start going through your mind. All right, I'm going to bring this out and then he's going to say that and then I'm going to say this. He better not say that. If he does, then I'm going to say this. And then, and then you go there and you go talk to them and they don't even know what you're talking about. Been crossing too many bridges. Going down the, down the road of, a, of the problem instead of the road of the solution. Amen. When it's time we start encouraging ourselves in the Lord our God. In these times that we're living in, don't look at the problems around us. And all the situations around us and all the problems and things that's going on and in sicknesses and this, that, and the other. Look at the Lord your God. And he said that all that developed a stomach trouble. But Paul would say we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. We put our confidence in the Lord and his promises. 
But when we walk by sight, we're trusting our senses. We're trusting our feelings. We're trusting what we understand. And we easily fall prey to all the deceptions of the world, the flesh, and the devil. When we find ourselves in discouragement, we find where we've been placing our trust. Oh, man. The answer to this is to put your trust back in the Lord. So when discouragement comes, you find that you've been walking by sight instead of by faith. Head back to the scriptures. Let the promises of God build your faith back. God wants you to be encouraged. So if he wants you to take courage, he has to give you the means to be encouraged by. So first off, you've got to recognize, I don't have to stay here. You don't have to stay where you're at. Morning is just for a moment. Amen. We don't have to stay there. We don't have to stay in that moment. We don't have to stay in that discouragement. Amen. We got to look to the Lord our God. You can be encouraged. In fact, you can encourage yourself. Well, I just need somebody to tell me something good. No, what you need to do is start looking at the scriptures. And putting yourself there and saying, that's my name in the book. That's me right there. That's who I am right there. That's not, the devil's thoughts, that's not who I am. The things he's putting in my mind, that's not who I am. You know, somehow, though, we get this idea that when we get the Holy Ghost, we're not going to ever have any more bad thoughts. We're not going to have any more depressed thoughts. We're not going to have any, and, and you know, people get that in their mind. And when they start having them, they think they got the Holy Ghost. No, what it is, it comes. It can't help it. It's like a bird flying over. It's going to come. It's going to happen. It's going to come. I mean, look, look out there on our, our building. Hey, man, the bird's going to fly around. They're looking for a place to nest. But what keeps them from nesting? Blow them out of the sky. Whatever it takes. Don't dwell on it. Move on past it. Don't dwell in your pity. Don't dwell in your circumstances. Don't, don't, don't let it build a, me- a, me- a mess on the side of your house and be all muddied up and, th- and manure coming down the side walls because of all the stuff you've been dwelling on. Get past all of that. Turn your eyes back on Jesus. Look to the hills which cometh your help. And remember, in the middle of all of it, the Lord Jesus Christ has committed himself to take care of you in every situation. And that was enough right there to just go on a shout and fit. <laughs> I, I, I got to remind you all this. It, it, I, I, when I think about it, you know, I, I seen this uh, deal one time of this little cartoon of this dorky looking sheep. Walking on his hind legs, cartoon, walking on his hind legs, and he was holding the, with his little clove and hooves, holding the hands of Jesus. And over in the ditch was this old lion roaring at him. And that old sheep, just as dorky looking as he can be and helpless looking as he can be, was looking at that lion, and he says, I'm with him. That's right. That's what you need to remind the devil. You're not by yourself. 
I didn't come this far by myself. I didn't get here by myself. He called me here. He placed me here. This is his doing. This is the Lord's doing. And it's marvelous in our eyes. I'm with him. When the circumstances of life pressed in da- on David, David pressed into his benefits. Hey Amen. He, he grabbed him a new song to sing. So the song of discouragement, he started singing the song of encouragement. Amen. He was singing maybe in Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgive all your iniquities, who heal all your diseases, who redeems your life. Oh, that's a good song to sing. Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Oh, so you got to stop giving voice to your discouragement and start giving voice to your encouragement. Amen. Stop giving voice to the sorrows and and the things that are going on and start speaking the word of God. Stop repeating the lies of the devil and start speaking the promises of God. Stop speaking out of fear and start speaking out of faith. Stop talking about the problems and start talking about the solution. Find out what the word of God has to say about your situation. And he has the answer for every situation. Start speaking it, the word of God, rather than your feelings. Amen. Meditate on the Lord. Realize it's not about you, it's about him. Well, I'm just so this and I'm just so that. You got it all about you. This is what even suicide comes from. You know, you don't, a normal person don't just walk out there without, you know, without a thought and just shoot himself on purpose. But it's been months and years of thoughts. Things is going through the mind. Adding upon, he's been dwelling. He, and it turns them inward. So it's all about me. And selfishness takes over. Suicide spirit is nothing but a selfish spirit. All is about me and my issues and my problems and what I got going on. And failing to realize when you take your life, how many other lives you're destroying. But what happens? They begin to meditate too much on themselves. You know, it gets really discouraging when you hear people all the time. This all they want to talk about is how bad they got it. And how bad they feel, and how bad it is, and how bad my work's just terrible. And this is happening. I mean, it got to rant about the. Sound like a broken record. Same thing, over and over. Time to get a different tune. Time to sing a different song. Amen. It ain't all about you. Listen, singing the songs of the Lamb is not about you. Anybody, who you are and what you've done or hadn't done or how bad it is for you. When you sing the songs of the Lamb, you're singing about Him and what He's done for you and what He's doing for you and how He's made a way where there seemed to be no way. How He can open up the Red Sea. How He can put out the fire. Start singing those songs. Yeah. 
But the devil wants to put something on you that's not you. He wants to place a name on you to cause you to sing his tune. This is what he did. Nebuchadnezzar tried to do to the Daniel and the three Hebrew children, Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah. He gave them names that most of us even call them by their other name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But that wasn't their names. See, uh, these four boys had Hebrew names, and their names had a connection. Amen. Was a connection to the faith in God. Brother Brandon would talk about as some Hebrew mothers would give birth. Amen. They would even call out their names. And as they called out Simeon and, and Benjamin and all the different ones, it actually placed them in the promised land, in their inheritance. It had a meaning. That's why when you have a child, you need to really look at what you name them. Names have meanings. There's things that follow names. So Belteshazzar is trying to change it and cut off their connection with God. Amen. This is what it was. Shadrach tried to Mishael, Meshach, from Hananiah to Shadrach and Azariah to Abednego. It was, the, the, to change the names was a way of encouraging them to forget their God and forget their homeland and begin to conform to the ways and the gods of Babylon. It was actually a forced assimilation. Nebuchadnezzar wanted Daniel and his friends to conform to the pattern of this world they're living in. And the name change was to step in towards that. Each name Daniel and his friends were given carried a different meaning. And it actually was associated with a Babylonian deity. Abednego means servant of Nebo. Belteshazzar, which is, was uh, given to Daniel, means Baal protects his life. When his other meaning was, God is my judge. Mishael's, which is El, and, and Hananiah, and Azariah has the Yah in it, which is from, short for Yahweh, is the covenant name of God. So they was, he's wanting to take who their real identity was and put a different name on them. A different song on them. To where they begin to sing the songs of Baal. And they begin to sing the song of the gods of that land. And they wanted to place that name upon them. So they would begin to feel comfortable in this land. And what you're, and listen, that's exactly what the devil's wanting to put on you. God's called you by name. He's called you bride. He's called you redeemed. He's called you his son. He's called you his daughter. But the devil wants to put other names on you. He wants to put depression and anxiety and fear and every kind of spirit of hell on you. But I am not serving those gods. I'm serving the one true living God. Hallelujah. Therefore, my name is redeemed. My name is Son of God. My name is a daughter of God. That's who I am. The devil wants to place a name on you so you can sing his song. He wants to place the name of bitterness on you so you'll sing the tune of bitterness. And your whole life will be bitter. And out of it, a song will come forth out of your life unto where you're nothing but bitter and you can't even gather together with family because of bitterness. You can call it what you want to. You've taken the name of another land. It ain't the land you want to go to either. 
depression to come on you. And you begin to give praise to it. Forced assimilation. It'll conform you to try to conform you to his thinking, his song, his desires. But God, as we said, also changes our name. Hallelujah. Amen. As we read there in Psalms 40, David, David said, I was in a horrible pit. Bring that back up. Psalms 40 and verse 1. I was in a horrible pit. Out of the mind. He brought me up though. He didn't leave me where he found me. I was singing the songs of a miry clay. I was singing the songs of unworthiness and bound and slavery. I was in a horrible pit. I was caught. But God, rich in mercy, we heard about it Sunday, but God came along our path and he snatched us up out of that pit and he said, I got a name for you. I got a new song I want to put in your mouth. It's not the song of a miry pit. It's not the song of a miry clay. It's not a horrible pit. That's not who you are. That's not where you come from. But let me give you the song of the redeemed. A song that angels can't even sing. You know, in the U.S., we have this saying. It says, I bet he's singing a different tune now. The context is that someone has had a radical event happen in his life. And because of this, he acts different. Because of this life-altering event, he can no longer sing the same song because it don't apply. <laughs> Perhaps this new song is a way of saying, I have a life-changing, I've had a life-changing experience with the creator of the entire universe. So therefore, I cannot and I will not remain the same. I will sing a new song because my desires have changed. Oh, hallelujah. It was many of you used to sing the song of drunkenness and alcohol and tobacco and drugs. You used to have a song coming out of your mouth and your life put it out. Hey, you can see profile pictures and things of people that's been caught with drugs and it don't take very much to know that person's been on meth. There's a, there's a song coming out of their mouth. Out of their, they, they, they may not even be actually singing nothing, but you can see it coming out of their life. Hey, listen, don't think you backslidden people out here don't, don't have a song coming out. You can see it very quickly. You can see it when you're not singing what you used to sing. You're not doing what you used to do. But reverse, when somebody has that radical event change in their life. <laughs> where I once was in a horrible pit and I was going the wrong direction but I had a radical event change and he turned me around and he put my path on a solid rock it gave me a new song to sing it gave me something else coming out from the end where like a fire shut up in my bones we've seen how God would take Abram and make him Abraham. It was an event change in his life. He was just an old shepherd boy out there in the plains of Mamre. God called him. His wife, Sarai. And he takes him out. 
We know he put the H in his name, which is a part of him. It's the breath of God being placed in Abraham and Sarah. It was a radical event change that took place. Was it not? A 90-year-old and a 100-year-old man and woman had a baby? That's pretty radical if you ask me. It was a radical event change that took place, and Abraham began to sing a different song. Sarah began to sing a different song. She was singing the song of, I am barren. I am not nothing. I'll never be anything. I'll never. To God change me. I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm pregnant. I got a baby. I'm a princess with God. Jacob had a radical event change in his life. His name's a supplanter, a deceiver, and that's what he did. He deceived. Yes, I like we need some message people with some name changes. Deceivers. Always got to get the best side of things. No, no. We want Jesus. Got a hold of something real one night. Down in the ditch, crossing over a little creek, seen a man standing there and beginning to wrestle him out, and he realized this is somebody different than I ever had a hold of in my life. He began to talk to that man and said, look. And the man said, let me go. He said, I ain't letting you go. Let me go. I ain't letting you go. I'm not letting you go till you change me. Amen. He hit him right there on the hollow of his thigh. And from that moment, he walked different. He acted different. He talked different. He wasn't the same man no more. And he changed his name. Amen. It was, a, it was a, from, a, from a supplanter to a prince with power with God. My, Simeon, fisherman, foul mouth. But when he caught on with Jesus, Jesus changed his name and said, I'm not no longer going to call you Simeon. I'm going to call you Peter. Little rock, little stone. Saul had a radical event change in his life to where he'd meet a pillar of fire under where it changed him from no longer being who he was, a murderer. Tormenting God's children to standing for the truth. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Abraham, just an ordinary man. But one day he met God. And from that time, he was changed forever. Sang a different song. He believed something he couldn't see. When he met God, he was changed. Moses, a runaway servant, supposed to deliver the children of Israel, running away. He didn't know, he didn't know how to do it. his military training, wasn't doing him no good. But one day, he met God, and he sang a different song. Well, he was one day hiding behind bushes, worried about that. This, somebody coming to take his life. Surely Egyptians are still coming after me 40 years later, still hiding out. One day, he met the pillar of fire in a burning bush. From that time, his song began to change to such a thing. He took his wife, put her on a mule, youngin' on her hip, whiskers hanging down low, 80 years old, and a bald head shining, a stick in his hand. Said, glory, hallelujah, where you going, Moses? I'm going down to Egypt to take over. That's a different song. Amen. He met God. Where was he running? He was going back to take over. Because he had met God, he'd been at that burning bush, and Moses was a different man. 
Peter, when he met God, Jesus revealed to him who he was. Amen. Paul, when he met God, amen, he was going down to arrest people for shouting and speaking in tongues. Uh-oh. He was going to put him in jail. He had an order from the high church to do it, but he met God. And from that time, he sung a different song. He was a different man when he met God. One time a dirty, stinking leper lay at the gate and said, if thou will, I'm unclean, 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 unclean. But if thou will, make me clean. Jesus said, I will. Do you realize what your leprosy is doing to you? You may not have nothing coming out of your lips, but your life is screaming, singing, unclean. Unclean, unclean, unclean. But if you can ever get before him, I'm honest with God. Lord, if thou will, make me clean. He'll change you too. He'll change it such a way that church ain't no drudgery to you no more. You happy. You ready to come to church. Ready to be with in the house of God, praising God. Days ain't no drudgery no more. The birds are singing different. The flowers are looking different. I mean, it remembers when you had that life-changing experience. Things were different. And a moral woman met God one time in a well. Five husbands living with the six. He told her the secrets of her heart. From that time, she sang a different song. She said, come see a man who told me all I've done. This has to be the Messiah. When you meet God, it changes things. From that time, it changes things. It certainly does. It does it for all people. There was a blind man one time. But when he met Jesus, it changed everything. (laughs) Even death can't remain the same. It changed the tune of death. When it met God. When you begin to realize it's not what I've done, it's what he's done. This is what David had to do. He said, it's not who I am, it's who he is. He's still the same God that gave me victory over the Goliath. He's still the same God that gave me all these other victories. God ain't changed. Revelations 1, 6 says, He hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. He hath made us. He said, there's a truth we need to emphasize. He hath made us. You need to tell the devil that tonight. God made me. I didn't make me. God made me. I didn't ask to be here. God put me here. He hath made me. Salvation of the Lord is grace. He redeemed us for a purpose. He brought us for a purpose. We are kings, spiritual kings. We're going to be kings upon the earth with him when he sits on the throne. But now we're spiritual kings and we reign over a spiritual kingdom. He has made us priests. Priests and they're offering a spiritual praise of sanctified lips. 
Spending our lives as a sweet offering unto him. Worshiping him in spirit and truth. Interceding and petitioning. Priests and kings and our God. No wonder the world don't appeal to us no more. Because we are a peculiar people. We don't sing the same song. We're not in tune with what they're doing. Shouldn't be. We shouldn't be in tune with their styles. We shouldn't be in tune with nothing Sodom has. If you're in tune with what Sodom has, it tells you who you are. Because Abraham was in the tent, at the tent with the son of man. Speaking to God himself had come and taken on flesh. Revealing the secrets of the heart. Abraham wasn't thinking about Sodom and Gomorrah and what it's, it's lavishes and what it's doing and what all that. He could, he could care less. But Lot, on the other hand, was singing a different tune. Different song. He said, no wonder the world don't appeal to us. We're a peculiar people. Different. Different. You know, as we would look at the scriptures as, 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 as Moses and them would come out of, the, out, of the, out of Egypt and they'd go and we know the story of how they come to the Red Sea and how, how all that had taken place. I don't have all the time to get into it. But as they come to that, they were singing a song. It was a song of fear they were singing. There wasn't any graves out there. To, we could die in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? Songs were coming out of their mouth. Things were taking place. And the Lord says, what you need to do is hold your peace. Because I'm going to fight for you. And I'm going to change your tune. I'm going to put a new song in your mouth. From this experience right now, you're going to walk away from this with a new song. Hallelujah. And we know how they went through there. And they come on the other side. And Moses would stretch it out his hand on the other side. And the waters would return. And then, then they looked out there and there was all dead Egyptians floating on the seashore. Amen. And they looked around and it was all gone. In the next scripture, Exodus chapter 15, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord. I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength. Well, that's a lot different song than what they were singing just a few moments ago on the other side of the trial. If you'll just be patient with God, God's going to give you a new song. If you'll just be patient, God will give you something that'll come out of you from the time that you're living in right now. The trial that you're going through is about to produce the sweetest song of Savior that's ever come to his, to the eyes and the ears of our Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord is my strength and my song and he is my salvation. He is my God, and I'll prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, and I'll exalt him. The Lord is a man of war, and the Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots. Oh, hallelujah. 
You see what kind of song that God puts in your mouth? You start singing your own song. You'll sing about how great your enemy is, how wonder, how, how powerful he is, how impossible it is to overcome. But when God puts a song in your mouth, he'll tell you how defeated he is, how hard, harmless he is. He can't overcome you. You're going to overcome it because I am the Lord and I'm going to fight for you. Hold your peace and I'm going to put a song in your mouth. I'm going to put a victory in your heart. I'm going to put something inside of you. Mm. Oh, the Lord is a man of war. And the Lord is his name. And cancer and sugar diabetes has he thrown into the sea. Amen. And lust and pornography has he thrown into the sea. And drunkenness and drugs and tobacco has he put under our feet. And his chosen captains, Satan's chosen men, are drowned. His chief of the tribe of them demons is defeated. And depths have covered them and they sank into the bottom as stone. That right hand, O oh Lord, has become glorious in power. That right hand, O oh Lord, has dashed to pieces the enemy. Woo, hallelujah. Do you see what the vision of the song of the Lord will give you? It'll see your enemy for who he really is. He's nothing but a bluff, but the right hand, oh Lord. And Calvary broke his backbone, but the right hand of the Lord broke every sickness, broke every sin, broke every doubt, broke every fear. And dashed to pieces the enemy. And the greatness of thy excellency has overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them in stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. And the enemy said, I will pursue, and I will overtake, and I will divide the spoil, and my lust shall be satisfied upon them. And I'll draw my sword, and my hand shall destroy them. But thou didst blow with thy wind, and the sea covered them. And they sank as lead in the mighty waters. sing a new song. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, and doing wonders? Not does wonders, doing wonders. Not going to do wonders, he's doing wonders. I want you to understand, it ain't just a day of miracles. Don't limit him to a day. Because he's not a day of miracles, he's a God of miracles. And if he's a God of miracles, every day is a day of miracles. Hallelujah. Thou stretches out thy right hand, and the earth swallowed them up. Thou in thy mercy has led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength and thy holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. The sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestinia. Did it not do that? Oh, yeah. That song reached all the way over there to Rahab heard it. Said, we heard what your God did at the Red Sea. We heard that verse. We heard how he brought you through the wilderness. Yep, we heard that verse too. And we heard how he healed you. We heard how he delivered you. We heard how he's going to do all these things. 
fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm, they shall be still as stone. Till thy people pass over, Lord, till thy people pass over. Hello. Did you catch that? That's the song of Moses. It's over there in Revelations too. Till thy people pass over, O Lord, till thy people pass over, which thou hast purchased. So in other words, the enemy is not going to have any power in this age until every one of us has passed over. Start singing that song to the devil. Devil, you ain't got no power. Devil, you don't have no strength over me. Devil, I am redeemed. And we're walking to the promised land. And you will not receive one ounce of power till I pass over, till I get safely on the other side. And not just me, not just Brother Joe, not just Brother Tim, not just Brother Ed, but all of God's children. Till all of God's children pass over to the other side. The devil is helpless. The devil is bound. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Everyone that thou hast purchased. Bought with a price. Woo, hallelujah. And thou shalt bring them in. If God is determined to stand for you, who's going to stand against you? God is determined to bring you in. He's just determined more, more to bring you in than he was to bring you out. Bringing you out is only one part of the story. But he's the author and the finisher. So he that started the work is going to finish the work. He who brought you out of sin. He who brought you out of denominational system. He who brought you out of creeds and dogmas of man. is not going to leave you wandering around the wilderness. And wondering what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next, Brother Timothy? What's next for the bride of Christ? I'll tell you what's next. The rapture is next. The body changes next. The dead Christ coming among us is next. Well, let's sing that song a little while. And you're going to plant them in the mountain of thy inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in. In the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established, the Lord shall reign forever and ever. The horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and I never did see him come out. <laughs> and the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them, but the children of Israel, every one of them, went across on dry land in the midst of the sea. Man, that song got so powerful, Miriam couldn't handle it no more. She grabbed her tambourine and said, Give me some room. I need to sing about my Jesus. I want you to realize something. Miriam was no longer singing slavery songs. She no longer was singing, I'm bound, I'm defeated, I'm down, I'm not going to make it, I'm discouraged. But she encouraged herself in the Lord her God because she seen what God had done to her enemies. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
I want you to understand if you didn't listen to Sunday, go back. Brother Tim recounted what has went on yes, in this Lord. church in the last years. Yes, sir. Woo! It's enough to grab something and shout about it. Because if God did it, he's doing it. If God healed cancer, he's still healing cancer. If God brought back a prodigal, he's still bringing back a prodigal. Oh, let's sing that song. They're coming home, yes. They're coming home. And there ain't nothing the devil can do about it. He can put sin that deep on them. He can try to cover them up with every kind of spirit of hell. But when that seed is called to life, he can line every devil up and they're going to come with everything they got. So let's be ready to party. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, he said, I seen, I seen her grab that tambourine and begin to dance and shout and begin to speak in tongues and run down that, high, down that old beach. He said, if that ain't an old-fashioned Holy Ghost meeting, I ain't never saw one. The daughters of Israel followed her doing the same thing they had overcome. And a man never knows what it is to live a victorious life until he's completely overcome. That's the biggest enemy you got is yourself. So we're not here to encourage ourselves in ourselves. Let's sing some songs for a moment. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusteth in him, Psalm 28, 7, and I am helped. Woo. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. Hallelujah. What song you sing? I will praise him. I will praise the Lord. The Lord is their strength, and he's a saving strength of his anointing. Save thy people and bless them, her inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Oh, my, we got a bunch of them here, but I'm going to hurry through. Y'all just remain standing. We're almost done. Come on. We can see the song that they begin to sing in Revelation 5. Let's just read it. My goodness, it's too good to just skip through that. Revelations 5 and verse 1, and I saw in the right hand of him on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals, and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy. Listen to his song. Well, much, because there's no man worthy to f- open and read the book, neither to look thereon. But one of the elders said to me, let's change the tune in this place. Weep not, for behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts in the midst of the elders stood a lamb who had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth unto all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of them and sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which were the prayers of the saints, and they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy. 
Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us unto God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hath made us and our God kings and priests, and we shall reign upon the earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and number them ten thousand times ten thousand thousand of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I don't believe that was a quiet service. How many we got in here? 150 maybe? Let's say amen. Amen! Amen! 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. It was a roar. It was a change of tune. We found somebody worthy. We found somebody that can take that sin. We found somebody that can defeat that disease. We found somebody that can save the lowest sinner and the most wretched person and reach down and take them out of the miry cliff and put them on a rock. We found somebody. Woo! And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them heard I say blessing and honor glory not under the earth such as in the sea in them are over under the earth over the earth everywhere heard I John saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sit on the throne unto the lamb forever and the four beasts said amen and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped the lamb that liveth forever and ever quit singing the song of unworthiness and start singing the song the lamb's worthy It's not what you've done. It's not what I've done. It's what he's already done. Psalms 98 and verse 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. For he hath done marvelous things. His right hand, his holy arm, has gotten him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation. His righteousness has he openly showed inside of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. 98.4, make a joyful noise on the Lord. And the earth, make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. 149, sing unto the Lord a new song. And his praise in the congregation of saints. Let him praise his name and dance. Let him praise his name and timbre and heart. Let the, for the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. Let the saints be joyful in glory and let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen, punishment upon the people and to bind their kings with chains. You want to start binding that devil that's torment you? Start praising your God. How many of you been fighting depression? 
I mean, he's been fighting anxieties and fears and every kind of spirit, even this week. Amen, it's time you want to bind that devil right now. Put a new song in your mouth. I'm not giving praise to my fears and anxieties and unworthiness and how bad my job is and how bad this is, how bad that is. I could care less. This world ain't my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Start praising your Lord. Give him praise. My goodness, got time for one more? Isaiah 12 and 1. In that day, Thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thy anger is turned away, and thou comforts me. Behold, God is my salvation, and I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song, and has also become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day you shall say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention his name is exalted, sing unto the Lord for he has done excellent things, that is, this is known in all the earth, cry out and shout thy inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Amen. We can look at Paul and Silas, one of my favorite portions of scripture. Let's stand together, musicians can come. Tunes, a lot of weary tunes coming out of that jail cell. Songs, a lot of songs of sorrows and past regrets. Every kind of thing. You know, there was a lot of songs going out. I didn't do it. I'm innocent. They got the wrong man. Songs of whatever. Paul and Silas gets thrust in the inner prison, beaten, blood running down them. Had a lot to be sorrowful about. Had a lot. They didn't really do nothing but cast the devil out. They didn't rob nobody. They didn't kill nobody. They cast the devil out. And they find themselves in this condition. And old Paul looked over Silas, blood running down, shackles all over him, sitting there in the jail cell. Silas, you know what I feel like? What's that, Paul? That's it. <laughs> I feel like praising, praising him. I'm going to praise him in the jailhouse. I'll praise him no matter where I am. I feel like praising, praising him. Y'all hit the right key. I feel like praising, praising him. I feel like praise and praise and hear. Like serving, serving him.
Oh, this goes bad. It's hard. This is the worst age we ever lived in. This is a terrible day. What are you doing? Why are you praising him? Because it's what's on the inside of me. What's going on the outside doesn't, doesn't matter. What matters is what's on the inside. And we know as they begin to go and they begin to sing songs and they begin to praise the Lord and they begin to glorify God and they begin to look away from all that was around them and the circumstances that was around them and the problems that was around them. Paul said, you know what? I feel like something else has happened. Glory, glory, glory. Somebody touch me.